he just wants to come in and record some shit, but he's too much of a goon and he'll knock things down. So he also anyway, can't talk. He's a dog. How dare you? How <laughs> fucking dare Song of Ice and Fire series. We are currently on a Game of Thrones. As always, I am Zach. And sitting here with me is my brother. The host, Nate. He thinks he's the host. He's a host. He doesn't understand that yet. We, last week, if you joined us, we were reading Sansa 1. No. Yeah? Were we? No, I think it was Ned 3. I think Ned comes after Sansa. Son of a bitch. If you joined us last week, we were reading Ned 3. Um, it was a pretty interesting chapter. Ned, you started already with the um. I fucking heard it. Fuck off. <laughs> Put that in your fucking episode, dumbass recording, editing, Nate, you piece of shit. Fucking hate you. I'm just going to leave all of this. Good. Open, so You're a fucking fine. piece of shit pointing out my ums. So, Martin News, did you see that he... Oh, I was going to re-segue back into that to sort of make it a little calmer, but if you're leaving it all in... Yeah, I plan on leaving all that in. Yeah, fuck off. Animal. I don't give a shit. Martin released a new headshot today. Yes. Yesterday. And he is looking fit. Martin always looks fit. That's all. Yeah, he just had that headshot. I am pulling up right now to see if he has anything on his Nada blog, because I didn't actually check before the episode started like I meant to. So, sue me. You know what I'm saying? What else did we... Did we get other new stuff this... We... I mean, we... I don't know how new it was, but I found out today that they're doing a two-hour behind-the-scenes making of the last season of Game of Thrones, which would be cool um, sometime in May. I don't... They have the exact date. I don't remember the exact date, but I'm pretty excited about that because I'm interested in the, the making of with all the Game of Thrones, so... Yeah, no, it looks super awesome. I think I saw, I want to say it was, like, History of Westeros, those guys over there that I saw share that or post mm. about that, and I'm a big fan of theirs, so. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. It'll be pretty cool to see uh, after. I, I don't think I'll watch it before Season 8 airs. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. But definitely it's, afterwards. Nah, it's, it's coming out in May. Oh, yeah. okay, I thought it was. Yeah, no, you weren't listening because you were looking at the Nada blog. Well, I need to have my news. We're only accepting the newest news available, so I need to check it during the episode to ensure that it is the newest. Our dog, Beric, is just losing his mind out there tonight. I'm losing my mind in here tonight. It's wild. It's it's wild. He just wants to come in and record some shit, but he's too much of a goon, and he'll knock things down. So. He also anyway. can't talk. He's a dog. How dare you? How <laughs> fucking dare you? Anyway. So, uh, we mentioned last week that we are going to be making the Patreon episodes for the summary 
the sample chapters. True that. And so we have been working on setting dates. We've got some polls going to see what other chapters. Yeah, in case uh, you haven't after Mercy. checked our social medias, um, the first Patreon chapter we're going to be releasing is the Mercy Winds of Winter sample chapter. We both really enjoyed it when we read the sample chapters, and we figure everyone else would or may. I feel like there's a lot of discussion to be had from it, so if you're looking for some extra content that's something a little more current and sort of up-to-date, I know this is a long story and we've got a long way to go yet, so if you're looking for something a little more Dance Dragons-related, maybe our Patreon is for you. So we'll be putting those up and getting that not nailed down yeah, soon. I think that's patreon.com slash without manners, so check that out. Last week, as Zach had mentioned we read Ned 3 yeah and then you cut me off I, you were fucking Ned 3 was a great chapter it took place at the uh, Lord Derry's I just bumped the table damn what it else I, I can't get through a single goddamn episode but yeah they were stopped on the King's Road while a search for Arya was conducted and it was successful uh, they found her after four days of searching she was taken directly before the king and Ned was not pleased about that Upon his arrival, they were basically hosting a little trial for Arya and what happened with her and Joffrey and Sansa and Micah near the Trident and or the Red Fork. No, they were at the 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 ford there, the Trident. Okay, right where the root. Oh well, I guess it's been four days, but um, yeah, they didn't move. That's right. Uh They only went a little bit further south to the Holdfast, and then through uh, through it all, Cersei ended up demanding that. A dire wolf pay the price, and the only one available was poor lady. There and will be order, and All a right. dead dire wolf is basically what I imagine Cersei doing, pulling a pretty much a Dolores Umbridge there. And so after slashing that dog's head off, Ned Stark. Jesus, um, <laughs> it was a lot more graceful and nice. Uh, after spending some time with the dog and getting to know it a little bit and comforting it, Ned does the deed. And demands its remains interned at interred yeah, I guess at Winterfell. If you want to get all mushy about it, so then Sandor Clegane comes riding through. <laughs> I can't fucking handle you. I don't care if people die, man, but it's a fucking direwolf. The direwolves are great. Yeah. Sandor like... Clegane comes back, and he's got what Ned at first thinks is Arya's wolf slung over his saddle, but it's revealed it's not the wolf. It's Micah, the butcher's boy. He couldn't run fast enough. Arya's little pet rode him down, and that ended us with Ned. We open back up. In open Game of back Thrones. up with um, with ba- basically our first dream sequence of the series. Bran, <clears throat> obviously, I made the terrible joke at the end of the last episode that Bran's chapter would just be darkness. It'd be nothing in it because he's asleep. Well, he's actually having a dream, so it wasn't as clever as I thought. I'm actually going to change things up a little bit here, and because I could just read that, I mean, this chapter is so jam-packed with stuff and goodies and foreshadowing that I could read the whole thing to really get the effect. So if you're not rereading along with us, shame on you. Yeah, so we're going to do a little different this time, and Zach's going to read a small small part of this. Just the opening paragraph, because it really sets the tone for this. It seemed as though he had been falling for years. Fly, a voice whispered in the darkness. But Bran did not know how to fly, so all he could do was fall. Maester Lewin made a little boy of clay, baked him till he was hard and brittle, dressed him in Bran's clothes, and flung him off a roof. Bran remembered the way he shattered, 
but I never fall, he said, falling. I uh, that intro paragraph is uh, there's just there's so much to it. Um, he feels like he's been falling since his fall, his literal fall. Yeah, so I really do like that. Uh, it says that he seemed as though he'd been falling for years, and I also liked how the the paragraph ends. But I never fall, he said, falling. Mm-hmm. It's just so, just the way that Martin puts those words together, he he makes it sound so. Well, Bran was okay. so sure of himself. He remembers the clay boy that was thrown, and he saw it shattered, and he said that straight to Lewin. It's it's something he said, and so it's sort of it's that irony of he's been falling for years, and he had just said a little bit ago, "I never fall," and he say he's thinking that as he's falling, uh, he can barely see the ground through all the gray mists that swirl around him but he can feel how fast he is traversing toward the ground. Right, and even though he can't see it because of the mists, he knows what's below him, mm-hmm. and he, he thinks that. He knows that even in a dream, you can't fall forever. He Yeah, he thinks he would wake before he hit the ground, and then that little voice comes back and says, if you don't... Bran, I, I've had some pretty crazy dreams before, but this one's just... It's just wild. It's It was cold here in the darkness, it says. There's no sun, no stars, only the ground to smash him, the mists, and the voice. So a lot of things right in that one, uh, a lot of that immediately, and I don't know if it's just because of having read the series a few times now, but it says no sun and no stars. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's a, a common term that Danny uses for... The Dothraki use, the, yes. The yeah. Dothraki use. The, my sun know. and stars, moon and my life, yeah, exactly. And so it's... I don't know if it's actually saying anything towards that. There I think it could no be sun, literal no that the language is similar. I think it it might not as be saying, you know, Danny's going to lose Khal Drogo. I think it's just, you know, there's very similar language throughout this world. Even the old gods or the Three-Eyed Raven, they they use similar terminology. I think it's just sort of connecting. But it says Bran wanted to cry, and the voice says, not cry, fly. And Bran looks to see where the voice is coming from, and he sees a crow that is spiraling down along with him just out of arm's reach. So Bran asks for help, help me. And the crow says, I'm trying. And then it asks, do you have any corn? It's so, There's this odd nonchalantness about this crow. So that line there, I think, I think that the crow technically could have could have been anything. That it, And that the, the, the crow or whoever is behind the crow, who we know is Brendan Rivers, yes. that he has taken on many other animals to whom it works for that person. Uh, I I guess that I should say that I don't think that Bran is the first person that he's had contact with in this way and attempted to mm-hmm. teach to fly. Uh, beyond that, though, I think that he specifically took the crow and that he actually is even saying slightly here that he's been watching Bran for a long time. Yes. By asking for that corn, it's almost like he's saying... I recognize you as the boy who's been giving these crows that I've been sitting watching you from forever. So, because he used to have That's those crows sitting there that would eat the corn, that Bran would get the corn. Yeah, yeah. Nobody knew that there were no friends up there. Nobody would go up there. Just the crows that remembered him. And so I feel like this crow is saying, I recognize you and the fact that you always brought us corn. I was there the whole time. I've always been watching you. And hmm. not just see, I because I when I read this, I meet my first thought went to Lord Commander Mormont's bird 
crowd. So that well, is I also think for corn. I think that fits also because I feel as though. Uh, Brendan Rivers may th- have uh, eyes also in the be watch. there as well. I, I, that's sort of what I immediately thought of was uh, later on. Obviously, hopefully you've reread and listened that this was a full spoiler reread co- podcast. Otherwise, we know surprise, motherfucker. that Mormont has a bird, and this bird always seems to say odd things at the odd moment and be just sort of in places that seem important, and it seems to have weight to its words, and so obviously there's been a, a lot of theories about someone possibly warging into this crow. So that's immediately what I thought of. But Bran, regardless, reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a handful of kernels. Uh, I think sort of to his own surprise. He didn't really expect them to be there. Right. And he reached in and they just were. So the crow comes to his hand and begins to eat and he asks it, are you really a crow? To yeah. And he, it responds, are you really falling? I... <sighs> that's it's such a dream sequence phrase definitely it's, it's a you know is this is any of this real it's it's very dumbledore it in is the, that's in the exactly what station. i was gonna say are, of course it's are, taking place in your head but why in t- does that mean that it isn't real um are you are you really falling or is this just to wake you up and startle you awake brand's thinking that i will wake when i hit the ground and the crow replies you'll die when you hit the ground that in a way, this isn't just a dream. This is some kind of life or death shit. Um, obviously, something in a dream might say that if it's a dream and it's your subconscious trying to freak you out or, or scare you. But there just seems to be a little more seriousness to this. You'll die when you hit the ground. So Bran starts to be able to make out the ground under him, and he begins to cry. And again, the raven says, I told you. The answer is in flying, not crying. I... It, to me, I'm taking that as it, the answer is in activity, not inactivity. See, you yes. need to take charge and not mope and bitch. It's and... very much what what we saw uh, two two chapters, three chapters ago with Catelyn three, mm-hmm. which it's this. This is in the way that Martin split that chapter into two parts. This is grieving crazy mom. This is taking charge. This is crying mom, and this is flying mom. Mm-hmm. So it's it's showing these two. Yes, you can sit here and and mope around and pout and, and whine fall and to fall, your death, or you can get up and do something. Yeah, you can try to change this fly. course. And Bran kind of gets mad and says, "You know, you have wings. <laughs> it's probably a little easier said than done." And the crow says, "Maybe you do too. There are different kinds of wings." I. I think that's just sort of the metaphor it's meant to be. You know, I agree. You can I fly agree. in many different ways. Just you like Danny fr- exactly. flies Tyrion. on a silver, Tyrion flies away in his books, Yeah, all those different things. It's Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then Bran see, looks down and sees his sickly body. Mm-hmm. And as he's looking, it, uh, a face swam up at him, shining with light golden. Mm-hmm. Is that what it said? Light golden. With yeah. light golden. And Bran screams. Oh, shining with golden light, I would believe. I mean, that's what I would imagine. Yeah. But for some reason, I wrote light golden. So, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Fuck my notes. So, that's when the crow tells Bran, not that. You do well, not the, need the, that. Well, the voice even, the face even says the things I do for love. This is yes, Jamie. Yes, this is obviously. Jamie. And, it, and Bran screams. I think that this is. Now, I don't think that he necessarily realizes it's Jamie. That's what I, I think that, that him screaming is he hasn't come to terms like with what's happened to him. He right. really still is kind of ignorant to the fact that he was shoved from the tower. 
and yeah, you're right. The the crow then says, "Forget that. You don't need it now. Put it aside. Put it away." Now, I think that the reason for that line is that again, thinking that this is the, the three eyed crow, mm-hmm. that this is Brendan Rivers thinking it is it is the the three eyed crow, that he's he's experienced this before. He's done this before, and he knows that if you harp on what caused you to enter this state. You're going to focus on that. You're going it's baggage. To, you don't need it. that baggage. And he needs you to see what you really, mm-hmm. truly need to see before you start thinking about that menial bullshit. Because that has nothing to do with where, the course that you're now going to be on. Yeah, it even says every flight begins with a fall. Yeah, uh, so that's this the next is, thing This I'm is the make. catalyst for you, Bryn. You needed to be pushed from the tower in order to be here, but you don't need the fear that comes with the tower and being pushed. You don't need sort of the politics of what all that means. The Jamie and Cersei bullshit isn't important for you anymore. That was it. You no longer play a role in the Jamie and Cersei incest thing. It's sort of what I think is being said between the lines. Yeah. The politics and the games being played in Westeros, you will no longer take part of. It, that was your catalyst. That was what got you here to begin you on a whole different journey and actually that goes a little uh, further on in the chapter we get a little bit more on that but so then comes the big really in my opinion the bulk of this chapter here because Bran then he looks down and he sees everything Everything. the whole wide world spread out before him like a tapestry so he forgets to be afraid at this point um we know from earlier chapters that Bran was a f- fan of watching and sort of perching up high and taking things in, and he forgets to be afraid here because it's wonderful. This is because he's amazing. back at home. He went from you know, and even though it's higher than he's ever been, he's back where he yes, he's always he been sees... the most comfortable, climbing as high as he can to watch. And first, he sees home. He sees Winterfell. He sees Lewin uh, looking out of a telescope and making some notes in a book. He sees Rob looking harder and stronger than ever before. He Practicing sees, some swordsmanship. He sees Hodor, the simple stable boy, uh, which is super interesting that Hodor gets... Uh, not super interesting. That he gets know, a call out. We know what Bran right, is right. going to do and what sort of happens with Hodor and Bran. So, but of all the people to pick out in Winterfell... Well, I think that's exactly why. Exa- oh, absolutely. It, he and has so a large part it, to play. And I, it's funny because I never gave... You know, my first time reading through... I know, you know, they Who's Hodor? Like, whatever. But he's constantly mentioned yeah, in chapters. Absolutely. He was mentioned in, in Cat's chapter yeah. with the stables and acting queerly. Acting differently. And now yeah. here he is again. Which do you think... being pointed this is, do, you, do you think Hodor maybe knows he's being watched? Like, do you think this is it? Like, That's, he's see, aware of sort that, of the dream maybe and Bran's going to be going through some shit right now? You know, especially if, if at this point he's got that memory of Bran blowing his mind. Mm-hmm. And so from now the show, too, obviously, yeah, that's, don't have that that's in the clearly books, show but. stuff. Uh, granted, he he does warg into Bran here in the books eventually. Yes, and no, he wargs into Hodor. Not I, he is Bran. Yes, he, so <laughs> he doesn't warg into Bran. I did that last episode too. I called Rob Bran or something like that. But yeah, so you know he does eventually. But yeah, but it's I I don't think it's outrageous to think that there's that he's aware of something. He's, he's a recurring thing in Winterfell. We see that it's not that. Uh, that you can't feel a gaze because one of the next things he looks down on is the great weirwood tree yes. in Winterfell. This, when it felt his gaze, it looked up at him and stared knowingly. Yes, it looks right back at him and it knows it's knows he's watching it. It 
lifts his gaze, <clears throat> excuse me, lifts its gaze from the still waters of the heart pool and looks back at Bran. And that, I don't know what the fuck that means, but somebody is aware that these powers are awakening in Bran. Besides, I think the three-eyed crow, because we've. I don't think here that the three-eyed crow is the old gods. I think it, it's sort of a different powers that be the three-eyed crow is helping bran awaken but the heart tree is sort of doing its heart tree it's thing still looking and, and then it notices and, and, hey there's a new watcher watching yeah. type thing but he moves on he sees south he sees a ship and he sees his mother in the cabin looking at a blood-stained knife we all know what that is the knife that was attempted yeah. to and be we used also on bran. we know from catlin three that this is the boat that her and roger from the take white from white uh take through down to king's landing yeah and he sees Sir Roderick as well. And ahead of them, he sees that a storm was gathering before them. Uh, excuse me. A yes, storm was yes. gathering before them, but somehow they could not see it. Now, they, technically speaking, when they're coming around Dragonstone, they that do. That really loud, technically. That's okay. <laughs> they do run into a small storm. There's a storm that catches them by surprise, a little one. And it, it launches Sir Roderick off the edge. And we'll go into that during the, that chapter, which is coming up here soon. But I don't think that's the storm that he Hell is no. seeing. Clearly, it's foreshadowing that Catelyn's about to roll up into some shit. Especially since I think one of the first people she runs into in King's Landing is her old little buddy, Peter Baelish. Exactly, yes. Um... I think that this is it's a. I think the most important line is it's a storm they cannot see. When they're on the ship, they see that weather's bad and shit. This is metaphorical. They're heading into a shit storm. That like exactly that. Littlefinger's first contact is, uh, or I'm sorry, Catelyn's first contact is Littlefinger. Littlefinger already fucking kickstarted all of this. He's playing Catelyn. Uh, he knows that she is on her way up here. So it's all. They, they are heading. King's Landing is this shit storm right now of people buying for different powers. He looks south, and he sees the waters of the Trident. He sees his father pleading with the king in the king's cold, hard face. He sees Sansa crying herself to sleep at night. And he sees Arya watching in silence and holding her secrets in her heart. Yes. What secrets? Yo, it's... Fuck. I don't think she has the secrets. So... Is this, is this him looking at her future? Well, so here's the thing. I was really waiting to till the next group and little paragraph to go into this and get deep into it. Um, I have different outlooks on every one of these sections, depending on whether we believe that Bran is only actually seeing the current present I time. Or if he's seeing futures. Because... Uh, I, I really don't know what kind of secrets at this point Arya may have. She has yeah, needle, yeah. you know, and she... But what else does she have at this point? Exactly, Eventually, yeah. she's going to get heavy stuff. Sansa crying herself to sleep is going to be an unfortunately recurring theme for her. Yeah. Because she just gets so brutalized throughout the entire series. Ned pleading with the king is pretty reminiscent of all exactly. Ned does. Because that's it. It doesn't say, you know, and, and so we can take it to assume that, especially since we just finished... The chapters there where the lady is killed, yeah. That we're we're meant to assume that. Now, if we take a step back and assume that he actually is seeing the future, Arya is going to have all of her faceless secrets. Mm -hmm. uh, And then I'm really wanting to dive into the next part where we see that there's shadows all around them. Yeah. 
Three of them in particular. One, dark as ash, with a face uh, terrifyingly hound-like, mm-hmm. is however he phrased it. One is armored like the sun, golden and beautiful. And last one is a giant in armor, made of stone. When visor is lifted, there's nothing but black and blood. He is looming over both of the other two. Yes. Now, I want to say that the, the obvious things here would point to the hound, obviously, uh, with the hound face. Mm-hmm. The The next one I would imagine everyone takes to be Jamie Lannister. Mm-hmm. And the third... Um, I can think of two people that a lot of many people might think either being the Mountain or Sir Ellen Payne. Yeah. And so my my thoughts on this, again, it's going to be different if this is supposed to be the present. That means it's going to people be people that are actually there. The Mountain is not there mm-hmm. physically. And so if he's seeing the present, I think that the three people he's seeing are not the ones that we assume. I think that the Hound is the Hound. He's seeing the hound at the moment. I think that the the stone armor one is Sir Illyn mm-hmm. because he's it's black and full of blood. He he can't say anything. He's done countless countless murders. Yeah. He's very skilled as a swordsman. I think that the golden one is Sir Barristan Selmy. Oh really? And it was there was a reason for it. Um, because it's the the golden and beautiful, it's very contrasting. He could be a shadow at that point because he he does help and serve, you know, but he's also on the king's side. He's going to support the king, mm-hmm. whoever that king is. So he doesn't really assist in them in the towards the Starks. Now, if Bran is looking into the future and seeing these people's futures, I think that. The the hound is more likely to be the sunlight one, the 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 beautiful and golden mm-hmm. one. But I uh, I still think that that's actually if it's the future, it's Jamie. It's showing what he actually will become. Yeah. he is armored in this. He's this shadow at the moment, but he is armored that way. I think that the hound is still the hound. Um, I feel like the the giant stone looming one is is actually the. The giant of Bravos, the the big stone statue mm-hmm. outside of Bravos. It's the figure looming over Arya, showing that that's where she's heading. That Bravos is the way that her future is going to wind up. Wow, you took a complete fucking one eighty from where I expected that to go. Suck it. I was pretty similar in that I don't really buy the that it's necessarily the Hound, the Mountain, and Jamie. My only real difference was that I was wondering if the golden and beautiful one wasn't Joffrey. So Joffrey was my other as a thing very as, well. as a very sort of distance, non-judgmental look at these people. Right now, Joffrey, especially in Sansa's eyes, is seen as this golden, beautiful. Yes, I definitely. So, agree. and to me, it would almost make sense. It's Joffrey. Uh, the Hound and Sir Illyn, the three yes. that kind of caused and, the most shit and at that's the it. crossroads. And thinking about the one that's looming over them both, Illyn put the fear of God, and she even stated that she was less scared of the Hound mm-hmm. than of Sir Illyn. She just had this horrible experience with Joffrey. He's golden and beautiful and wonderful, but he's still, and he's a terrible person. He's in, you know, they're all three shadows, so I don't think that they're going to be good you know, influences on these the Starks, and it says that they're surrounding them. Shadows are servants of light, Sir Davos. 
<laughs> Fuck you. And so I definitely think that Sir Illin is also the. That's my my main ones were those. Jamie was the the obvious. But, side, I, but... I I actually, in all honesty, I think that this is put in here sort of for this reason of like, who does this apply to? Is this is this a future prophecy foretelling of you know the mountain is going to have a, a confrontation between Jamie and the Hound? The three of them are in some weird connected triangle, or is it just right now? At the Trident, the the big the big sort of energies that Bran are picking up are Sir Illin, the king's headsman, the Hound, the king's bodyguard, and the king or the or the prince. I'm sorry, not the king yet, and and the prince himself, this royal, beautiful golden. But moving on, yes. this is my favorite part of the chapter coming up. It says, uh, "Bran sees clear across the narrow sea to." The free cities and Vyastothrak and the fabled lands of the Jade Sea, and to a shy by the shadow where the dragons stirred beneath the sunrise. I, I almost am tempted to take this literally. Um, Do you think it's talking about Danny's dragons? My only, the only thing that gives me a little jigger in my knickers, is, it's a shy by the shadow, yet dragons are stirring under the sunrise. Right. From what we know, from what I know, I, I can't speak for you. A shy by the shadow is sh- completely covered in darkness. It's almost never light there at all. It is a terribly, terrifyingly terrifying dark place, uh, and and it gets worse the more you go into the heart of shadow and Stagai and all these terrifying places. So, the fact that there's a dragon stirring underneath the sunrise to me is saying that there's there's going to be some new light shined on the, these parts of the world that we don't really know a lot about or and maybe not even necessarily through brand a dragon so Daenery, mentioning Daenerys. it like this it almost could make it sound to me like dragons stirred beneath the sunrise once the dragons rise light will return again that's, well that's what... it's like the dragons are the the bearer of light they're the what's going to bring the sunrise with them because they're beneath it and you need to have them yeah, because light rise up. light tends to be associated with like cleansing and a purification, and same with fire. Fire cleanses and purifies right. to someone like Melisandre. So yeah, I think it's just that dragons will help bring light and 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 knowledge back into this world. And for some reason, that's also associated with a shy by the shadow. So he finally looks north, and he sees the wall, and he sees his brother Jon Snow. Alone in a cold bed, his skin growing pale and hard as all memory of warmth left him. So once again, we can apply this in both ways. The present, absolutely. He's he's, he's seen, lonely and cold. But and... the thing is, John's not at the wall yet. Exactly. Or at least as far as we know. But he's about to wake up right now, Bran is. Yes. And I feel like he, he gets word... I, it's been so long since I've read these beginning chapters. John gets word, like, as he arrives that a raven was sent in his br- brotherhood. Mm-hmm. So Bran's awake after he gets yeah, there. Yeah, J- Jon Snow is not at the wall yet, I so believe. So it has to be a future. But are we talking it actually is him sleeping there at his first few weeks? This is where... Or is this the end of... This is the evidence for people believing Jon Snow will be resurrected. This is one of the key pieces of evidence that there's one theory that Jon will be stored in one of the 
ice cells at the wall to sort of keep his body and preserve it until either Melisandre or the old god something comes in or he wargs back in from Ghost, whatever one you happen to buy personally. Yeah, because it says there that his skin is growing pale as the memory of all warmth fled. The memory is what... Yes, so a lot of Beric Dondarrion mentions that he starts losing parts of memories, things like that. Parts of himself, yep. Um, But at the same time... You know, going to the wall, yeah, you know the north is cold. Everybody knows the north is cold. But the memory of warmth fleeing you for like, that's a bit excessive. And he's also pale. His skin is pale. And, and that's the big and thicker to for me, me. that says death. He's, yes. He's not alive currently. His skin is growing pale. So he's in the process of, th- that's it. Mm-hmm. He's done. So Bran continues past the wall, past forests and rivers and the dead plains where nothing grew and nothing lived. North and north. And north again, he looks. And he gets to the curtain of light at the end of the world. And then beyond that curtain. Now, see, that curtain of light, it really made me think immediately of that sunrise in a shine. Mm. Just that, you know, that spot where the, the cusp of knowledge, the hot horizon truth. meets the, the, you know, that unattainable, reachable location. Yeah, uh, he continues forward and looks deep into the heart of winter. And then he cried out, afraid, and the heat of his tears burned on his cheek. He looks into the heart of winter. This is, so far, the only glimpse we've had, the only mention we've had of the heart of winter. And he is terrified. He cries out, afraid, and uh, the, his tears are burning on his cheek. I think that the tears burning on his cheek is meant to sort of symbolize how cold it is. I think that's got a lot simple, to do warm with tears yeah. are actually now burning your Just skin. Just from looking at it. From how yeah. cold it must be. And the crow says, now you know. Now you know why you must live. So to me that's saying Bran is directly going to contend whatever it was he saw. Whatever he saw. In the heart of winter. And so we could sit here and speculate for weeks about what what he saw Mm -hmm. up there. Whether it's a person, whether it's an event, whether it's a a future, a past, uh, you know, it could be a million different things or nothing at all. Just literally nothing. That's the end. And it just, for this little, this little tiny thing to set his whole path to force, like, it just impacts him so strongly that it's an awakening. It impacts it, me strongly. I immediately, and I know a lot of people know that Martin is very famous for kind of quoting, not quoting so much, but using bits of Lovecraftian things in his world. That's what this immediately screamed to me, is Bran is sort of getting a look at the, the mechanisms that guide things that be the powers that be i mean he's literally looking at a tapestry of the world right now and he goes even beyond that to the light the curtain at the end of the world which the heart of winter is beyond this curtain of light at the end of the world he is into some cosmic fucking shit right now and what he sees at the heart of winter to me it has to be some sort of cthulhu like god being entity of just pure fucking terror malice cold fear it's so just... that's when the the crow throws the the stark words at bran now you know why you must live because winter is coming mm-hmm. and bran looks at the crow and the crow had three eyes and the third eye was full of a terrible knowledge which plays right into what you were saying the these guys are looking into some cosmic level shit he's got 
he knows something that's just yeah definitely this terrible. bird is this bird's trying to wake bran up to it and so bran looks down and sees only a frozen wasteland underneath him jagged white blue spires of ice that that wailed up i don't even know what the fuck i just but there's uh large jagged blue white spires of ice that come up to embrace him and he sees the bones of a thousand other dreamers impaled upon their points. And so this is, obviously, this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode here when I said that I don't think this is the Crow's first time doing this. No. I think that these are, and what, again, you know, depending on how we want to look at it, it could, to me, I feel like it could very well be, that's a thousand other brands. That every one of them is a different brand whose path, you know, and if you're if you're an Avengers fan, you recently saw Doctor Strange look into the future and he saw, you know, what, 10 These are all the other possibilities. Of all brand. the different possibilities that, and only one do they succeed. Those are all the other possibilities. Or it could also, you know, they're not brand, just I other think green seeds. Personally, I think that these are the people that chose Cry Over Fly. The Three-Eyed Raven tried to awaken others. Um, I mean... If things went differently, we could have potentially seen Jojen on one of these True. Sp- yeah. spires, you know. And but Jojen woke up just like Branded, and it's it's a do or die, a flyer, a flyer die situation. And if you choose to fly, you don't end up impaled in this hellish wasteland of nothingness. And uh, I'm like, to me, it's terrifying. I'm like, I'm imagining it like kills every essence of your being. It yeah, that's, I don't. Like, this well, is yeah, some cosmic, you know, either dream you state. fly and wake up. I suppose technically, if you, you know, it could be metaphorical that those didn't actually. Well, die. I was interested in that the fact that it says that there's a bones of a thousand other dreamers. We know, it, like one in every thousand men is a warg. It's, yeah. it's So I think it's just this cycle of finding different wargs for different times. So this next thing almost brought a tear to my eye, like. Fuck, man, that was cool. Bran hears himself ask, can a man be brave if he is afraid? And then he hears his father reply, that is the only time a man can be brave. Uh, Clearly, it's a significant moment in Bran's life, and that's sort of what gives him this last push. The ground is rushing up at him. He sees other people have died in a very similar fashion to the way he's about to die. He's got this crow urging him to fly, fly, fly. I think it's funny that the the last straw to push Bran onto the path of not being a Stark any longer are some of the most Stark words of advice he's ever received mm-hmm. from the epitome of the Stark house. Just this person who, you know, or, you know, as we're led to believe, because who knows how honorable... There he actually is with his promises and his lies and his secrets. Mm-hmm. And we reach the crux. The bird, the crow tells him, now, Bran, choose, fly or die. This is this is it. This is the moment. And it says, Bran spread his arms and flew. Unseen, unseen wings pull him upward, and the ground recedes below him while the sky opens up around him. It was better than climbing. It was better than anything. Better than anything yeah i like this is an uplifting moment just mm. like it's i my heart starts racing brand succeeds you know and, like, he, he chooses to triumphant. do something yeah he absolutely has had enough he's not going to be afraid because of his father his father helped remind him of that you, you know it's okay to be afraid but you can still be brave try to fly why why not try instead of just dying and i think that's sort of what it is and the crow flies up before him and begins pecking at his face 
and flapping his and wings, flapping all up his and wings his all up in Bran's fucking grill. Up his flying. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to fly here, dog. You just taught me how to fly. Now you're trying enjoy to, it. like, what the hell? And Bran feels a sudden blinding pain right in the middle of his forehead. Uh, this, this symbolically, whatever you want, the, the crow is opening his third eye is what this is meant to be taken. Right, and so Bran asks, like, what are you, what are you doing? And as he's fighting this crow off, the, the gray mist return and starts swirling. Mm-hmm. And, and what a cool image of just, like, this, you know, I just pictured the sound from Wizard of Oz, or, like, the... <laughs> and then it's like it's back into the and the crow is no longer a crow it's a serving girl yeah it's a serving girl that he takes a minute and kind of his brain sort of skips a beat and he recognizes her yes this is a serving girl from from Winterfell and it kind of takes him a minute but he gets it and then suddenly Bran is back in Winterfell he's laying in a cozy bed in a kind of chilly room and he sees the serving girl drop a basin of water, which shatters on the floor. And to me, that was more important than it seemed. That's shattering the illusion. That's the shatter is here we go. Like curtain up thing. This is the, the grand illusion has been shattered. Brand now knows the powers that be. And he's taken a peek behind this curtain. So I only noticed this because I, you know, for the podcast here, I have my episodes and everything all numbered and whatnot. It was Catelyn's third episode where she, or third episode, third chapter, Catelyn 3, where she snapped out of that that grieving, you know, oh, I'm going to sit here in self-pity. Mm-hmm. And chapter 3 for Bran now is when he's... Well, he's still got some self-pity to go through when he oh, realizes absolutely. about his legs. But I just think that it's, it's kind to of To me, that, that. that shattering of the basin of water was significant, sort of as this shattering of reality. Bran just went through a reality-shattering experience. He peeked behind the curtain and saw, you know, a god, uh, an entity, uh, whatever, and it terrified him, and in some way he's connected to it. He is apparently been tasked to stop it we're not too sure on what yet but yeah and so, so she runs checks, she yeah. runs out of the room shouting he's awake he's awake he's awake which just tunes us into oh shit like this is happening irl at winterfell branches woke up and so he starts checking his forehead because yep. he's like it still burns fuck. and he's still got the pain there but be, besides the burning there's no other evidence that that any of that actually no nah, bran you just woke as fuck yeah. bro so he decides he wants to try to move and he has some difficulty doing nothing so. happens nothing. he tries to get out of bed and nothing happens and then suddenly a wolf jumps up on his legs which he feels nothing of but it's cold in the room, but the warmth that comes off of the wolf enfolds him like a hot bath. And he actually thinks to himself, oh, my pup. But then he goes, wait, I can't really call you a pup because you've gotten much bigger, much, much bigger. And so Rob comes crashing in shortly after, breathless after his sprint up the stairs. And he sees the wolf is licking Bran's hand. And Bran calmly looks up and says... His name is Summer. Which, you know, I didn't ever really think about it my first time. He just looked into the heart of winter. Yes. He, and I, it makes me think that. He felt what it is to never be cold, or never be warm again. He saw John yes. having the warmth leaving him. And so I'd never picked up on the, this wolf envelops him in warmth. How, how much, I, it's a, it's a, I, I think that's like a literal thing. I think this wolf is radiating heat. Yes. It is a thing of goodness and warmth right. and light. And 
and Bran immediately picks up on that. He was just in literally probably the coldest fucking place you can get in existence in, existence in this book. And so that warmth to him is comfort. It's light. It's goodness. It's and summer. What better thing to represent, you know, sunshine and warmth and light. And that's it's so funny because he was, you know, he was in the heart of winter. What did he need to warm himself, his soul? I don't think it was just, you know, the way that it it enveloped him like a warm bath. Mm. It ran over him. This warmth, not just over the top of him physically. He was he was emotionally and spiritually cold. He just did this, you know, went through this life altering event. And so he felt this warmth that was almost like you mentioned. It's cl- he's getting cleansed mm-hmm. again. He's being opened back through the channels of dire wolf. And yeah, because it, 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 there's a lot of points of he felt nothing. He feels nothing. He just returned from this, and he's not having any feeling in his legs. He's not having any feelings sort of at all about anything. And it's not until he feels the warmth that he almost sort of comes out of it and that's when Rob comes up and he's showing the wolf is showing affection to him and he's affectionately letting the wolf, you know, it, it's almost like Bran sort of comes back a changed person and then very quickly snaps into it as he relaxes and realizes, oh, I'm not in the heart of winter. I, I can still be warm and I will get warm. And as long as I have summer here with me, I'll always be warm. And that it's almost like his talisman of protection against this. Yeah, yeah. I literally have summer fucking with me at all times. Come fuck. at me winter. Well, yeah, fuck like, you, hard you winter. Do, winter. I got summer chilling here. Fuck off. Yeah. Well, that was Brand's third chapter? Brand three. Of A Game of Thrones. What a chapter. You got an inductee for I... this odd little dream sequence? Um... I, I, you know, never think about this shit, so no, but I can come up with one. I, hmm, off the top of my head real quick, I'm gonna say who was, who was pretty badass this chapter. God, you suck. My (laughs) inductee, I'm gonna give it to Jojen Reed, who wasn't in this chapter, but... I have to believe that... Maybe he had a chapter of his own like this? I have to believe that Jojen Reed could have very well ended up impaled on a spike, and he chose to fly and not cry. So, Jojen, we need as many goddamn green seers to figure out what's going on as we can, so welcome to the Brotherhood, you little grandfather, you. I am going to bring in Sir Roderick. If nothing else, just because I feel bad that he's getting tossed around, getting seasick. He didn't in this chapter yet. But he, he, we see that he's going to, and so if I can get him out of that beforehand, we'll get him down here in he's the cage. He's into a shitstorm that like really isn't out. even related to him. Yeah, he's just doing his duty, man. He's just helping out. So. <laughs> you said duty. <laughs> anyway, those are our thoughts on Brand Three. Uh, this chapter's phenomenal. Outstanding like set up for Brand's yes. story. So let us know what you guys think. Yeah. Speaking of always. phenomenal and letting us know what you think, we've we've gotten a bunch of feedback this week, so make sure you guys keep sending that in. All of our socials, we have our Twitter, at Manners Without. Instagram is at Brotherhood Without. We have our Facebook.com slash Brotherhood Podcast and our Gmail, withoutmannersbrotherhood at gmail.com. Now this week we did get one thing I'm very happy to bring up is yeah. a, a sweet, sweet iTunes review. And so we're going to go ahead and, and read this out here at the end. So first of all, a huge thank you to Nirvana47. Nirvana47. We're very thrilled that you're listening. Thank and enjoying you. Yeah, it. we appreciate it so, so much, So what he had to say was, I wanted to reread the books before the show started the last season, but I was feeling lazy. 
I feel lazy Absolutely all the time. lazy. I get it. Uh, my start of the rewatch is episode one of season three because Zach here mentioned that he's just past that episode. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just watch that one. Lazy. So not sure how. Maybe Reddit. I am definitely on Reddit. So you most likely heard of me there. I stumbled on these guys, but they are funny as hell. Creating anything is difficult. I'm funny as hell. I carry you. You are piggybacking. <laughs> you You're too thing. lazy to <laughs> You got a point. So he said, creating anything is difficult, and these guys are killing it. I love the bickering and banter. It's not bickering. It's me just talking shit. And Nate being a bitch, yeah. And banter, as much as I like not having to read the chapters and them condensing its essence for me, would highly recommend the podcast. Good way to pass the time when stuck in traffic on the drive back home. That's my favorite time to listen to podcasts. I am so glad to be able to entertain someone in that shitty aspect of life of sitting in traffic. Fuck Fuck that. And so if if we can entertain and make your daily commute a little better, like... Thank you. We yes, that, that means yes. a lot to us. Like we appreciate it. So, we appreciate you just yes, listening and writing you in so and much. for the rate and review and and all that fun stuff. So yeah, I also had a couple guys on on Reddit. I put up my uh, my bullshit Garrett is cold hands post. Yeah, and, and we've gotten responses, you know, which is well. The main thing I was I'm glad I got was a lot of people just flat out disproving it. Which, like I said in the post, is that I disproved it a few minutes after I came up with the idea. Yeah, yeah you. But like, I was so excited when I first came up with that theory and. So now these everybody on Reddit's given me more evidence as to how it's untrue, mm. which is all I was really looking for is what other things can I find to solidify that this is bullshit. And, man, they did not disappoint. <laughs> so uh, I do like – I did see some people on there were recognizing the – the post from the the podcast. Yes. So again, we really appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate the people that that chatted in there with me, gave me some some definitely needed evidence. But guys, we really like hearing from you. Send yeah. us emails, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, whatever you guys want to do. Again, any Go iTunes vote review. right now on our Facebook. We've got yeah. uh, we 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 mentioned that we are doing mercy for a sample chapter first on our Patreon. We don't have the second one decided yet, but that is something you can vote on on our Facebook. So you should go and fucking do Facebook, that. and I have it on Twitter as well. So pick one of them, vote. Let us know who you'd like to hear us break down the, the for chapter Patreon. For. Remember that is extra content. So if you feel like you really enjoy us and you'd like to help us, you know, maybe get some new equipment. Uh, we are not using the best equipment no, by any not. means. But that's okay. Um, but, no, it's great. We're, we're making do and we're not complaining by any means. But if you want to, you know, do, support do us, to support you know, the show. a little something to help, uh, it's it will all go into technical – it's all going back to you guys. Back to you Everything guys. Everything that podcast. we get, you know, we're gonna turn it into quality. Because really, we we, we weren't looking to make money when we started this. We wanted to find a community where we could chat about our ideas about Game of Thrones and, you know, have a good time and meet some people in the podcasting community and in the Game of Thrones community and kind of mesh those both. And so, you guys are not not disappointing. Not so in the least. We are loving all the the back and forths between everybody. So a lot of this stuff. our next episode, we will be doing Catelyn Four. And that, I believe, will be a single episode on its own because that's a pretty lengthy chapter of yes. Catelyn arriving at King's Landing and the, sort of the journey there and then arriving at King's Landing and meeting up with her childhood friend, Peter Baelish. Mr. Baelish. So I'm excited. Littlefinger's one of my favorite characters. I love the Machiavellian types. So I love how different he is in the books because I, I didn't dislike Peter Baelish in the show, but a lot of people have that image of him. Mm-hmm. It, 
a lot of people forget how charismatic he truly yeah, is. Yeah, no, people like Littlefinger. Yeah, he's not this This little isn't a li- Littlefinger discussion. We can't yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, we sorry, gotta save it for Catherine. Yes, okay. Anyway, guys, we will catch you on the flippity flop. Peace. Fellow to Hennis.